Good morning. Happy Father's Day. We wish all of you dads a wonderful week. Being a dad has been one of the greatest joys of my life, and yet it's one of the scariest roles I have ever had to fulfill. As a counselor for the past almost four decades, I've seen the power of fathers in the formation process in our lives. Our relationship with our dad has a lot to do with whether we believe God is good and loving, whether we have a sense of personal value, whether we believe that I'm made in the image of God and I'm one of his dreams come true in the world, or whether I spend a lifetime trying to find a sense of significance in the world. Sometimes we can know too much about a thing, and these realities have often left me feeling very inadequate to have such a powerful influence on other humans' lives. Yet, if I've ever done anything well in life, it was when I realized my own limitations and asked God to help. I remember the day we were taking our first child, Preston, home from the hospital almost 37 years ago now. Janice and I looked at each other and said, they're going to let us take him home? What are they thinking? We have no clue what we're doing. They're being very irresponsible. I think this is a HIPAA violation. <laughs> there was no such thing as HIPAA back then. We looked at each other and simply said, Lord, have mercy. Four kids later who've all found wonderful spouses and having now our fourth grandchild on the way, we're so very thankful for a God who fills in all of the gaps, all of our limitations, if we lean into him and look to him. Our gospel text today from Matthew is jammed with a beautiful reminder of the love of God. And then it follows with one of these most confusing and misunderstood sections of Scripture. This is the beauty of following the lectionary. This series of texts that are laid out according to the church calendar, it focuses and, uh, on, on the whole of Scripture over a two or three year period. And it forces us to have to wrestle with all of these different elements of Scripture. Our reading started with showing us that God knows us intimately and he cares for us deeply. Where even the hairs on our head are numbered and he's got to really pay attention to this head. So that we might know that whatever we're facing today that is difficult, that he is with us and he understands and has a way through for us. So, the scripture says, do not be afraid. The most often recorded command in the Bible. Many people are in great fear today. We're being told today that whatever is going on around you, do not be afraid. I am with you always. Then we're sent into this most difficult and confusing passage. It says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be the members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. On Father's Day, really? <laughs> 
I have not come to bring peace, but a sword? What do we make of this? The Prince of Peace didn't come to bring peace? As in all of our study of Scripture, we need to look at this in the light of the whole story. Following God's path has never been totally peaceful. Most of those who have tried to follow have found the journey to be difficult. In a severely broken and disconnected culture, we obviously look to Jesus as the only source for the world to ultimately be made right. Yet the process is quite messy and might be painful at times. As we look at our text today, we will see that loving God with our whole heart, mind, and spirit requires a path that can be painful. It might separate us from those we love. It requires us to examine our lives and choose the more narrow and difficult path at times. And this path we follow might not look like what we wish it would at times. Jesus came to begin and establish a new way of being God's people. He didn't want to bring division into households for the sake of it, but he knew that if people followed his way, the division was bound to follow. A sword is used to separate things. I hear almost every day in my counseling office individuals that are trying to make right choices in their life, love people, trying to follow the way of Jesus and care for those in the margins, and how this path often ends up separating them from close family members. The fact that people have chosen to go to a church that says the creed each week with the word Catholic in it is enough to cause separation for some. One person asked, how do I deal with my parent who says these outlandish racist comments? Family members that criticize us for choosing love uh, in, of those in, of many in culture that um, have been judged, and even many in churches have judged, that we've chosen to love those people. If we love those family relationships more than God, we end up moving into a form of idolatry that puts the importance of these relationships above following God. I've seen this kind of happen in two different forms. One is that people go into a passivity, a kind of a pleasing type behavior, called it codependency, where I can only be happy if those key relationships in my life are happy with me. And then eventually I'll get my needs met. Or the opposite end of that is an aggressive kind of controlling type of behavior where I'm going to make others around me act the way that I need them to for me to feel comfortable and for my needs to be met. Both of these are a form of idolatry. Somehow if we choose God first and love him above all others, we can find our footing and peace in life and still love others who are unlovable, but yet be separate individuals and that be okay. Take up our cross daily suggests there's a sacrifice required in this new way of living human. Choosing God first is not finding a happy life and getting my needs met. It is living in a way that often says to our own desires, says no to those. Our Romans text now today goes on to speak of this uh, in chapter 6, which follows the amazing ending of chapter 5, which speaks about as sin increases, grace abounds all the more. 
It is this almost unbelievable quality of grace of God. It says that our past failures cannot be more powerful than the grace of God. His unmerited favor can handle our past. You can't have outsinned the grace God offers. That's good news. Chapter 6 then starts with, if this is true, should we all just go on sinning all the more so grace can increase? The reply is no. Actually, it's so emphatic a declaration that it would best be translated. No, what are you thinking? Absolutely not. I deal with people each day sitting in front of me that have made some major mistakes. They've chosen badly things that are not God's best plan for them to be fully human. They've chosen counterfeits that look like they'll fulfill and satisfy their needs, but end up killing, stealing, and destroying. I've seen a smorgasbord of these in almost 40 years as a pastor and professional counselor. The idea of should we just go on sinning because love covers would be like a person who's just done all the work of repairing a broken marriage due to their infidelity. They've gone on to acknowledge their partner's pain and they're living with the hurt and anger of the one that they have offended for months and months. And then goes to this very difficult internal work of why was I doing this in the first place? What was I looking for? Love in the wrong place. What is then the brokenness that needs to be dealt with in me? Then months and sometimes years of, of trying to prove that I can be trusted again. And then begin, things begin to settle down. And everything's going well. And then end up then falling into the same trap because they let their guard down and they begin to think, well, God forgave me before. He loves me. He'll forgive me again. No, the scripture would say. The text goes on to say, by no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. As baptized believers, this speaks to the story of the children of Israel coming out of slavery and crossing through the Red Sea into freedom. When the going got tough, some thought, we should just go back to Egypt. We should have just stayed there. At least we had food to eat. The response from heaven is no. When Jesus comes to us, he brings new life, not just painted over old life. We've moved from one type of humanity into another type of humanity. We have a change of status, and therefore we need to live like it. Living like it is easier said than done, isn't it? God never expected us to do it without him. Living in accordance with the change of status requires that we recognize it and take steps to bring our actual life in line with the new kind of person we have become. This often starts with owning our weaknesses. Every morning as we do as a community, we do the daily office online together at 8 a.m. And we start out each morning confessing those areas that are not lining up yet. For me, each morning, I'm saying, I can't do this without you, God. Help. For some, it means going further and asking for some help from others. Uh, where they're in an area that just keeps showing up and reflects the old status. You don't have to do this alone. None of us do. We don't have to do this alone. 
we can journey together. Now, each Sunday, the lectionary presents an epistle like we just discussed in Romans and our gospel text in Matthew in an Old Testament reading. And we oftentimes don't have a chance to get to all three, but I want to end this morning with a quick reference from our Old Testament reading in Genesis 21. This is another difficult one for Father's Day, by the way. Some of you know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was unable to have a child. So they come up with this great idea of having Abraham sleep with a servant girl to get a baby. So Ishmael was born. Sarah ended up being jealous of the servant girl Hagar and they fought. What a shocker. Something can be learned from just this part. What is done outside of God's plan can lead to absolute chaos. Then some years later, God comes to Abraham and Sarah through three visitors when Abraham was 99 years old and told them that they were going to have a son. And a year later, they did. Amazing fulfillment of God's promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So even if you are a hundred when it is fulfilled, but yet he has not given up. The story continues, and Sarah now, having this son of promise, wants to send Ishmael and Hagar away. Abraham, even though tormented by this, agrees. What a lovely story for Father's Day. But what I want to leave you with today is this. Listen to what God does for even the son born into chaos and who is ultimately sent away. The scripture says Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot, for she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard your voice and heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast, in your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. I hear stories almost every day of people that have gone through tremendous pain in their life, abandonment, rejection, abuse, trauma, all kinds. I often think, how do these people make it through this kind of harm? Yet what I've seen throughout the scriptural story is this new kind of life that God offers is not dependent on circumstances. I've seen people have two radically different responses in how they deal with pretty horrible circumstances. For one, the pain of their difficulties overwhelms their ability to see God's new life for them. And they live their entire life as victims of that trauma. I simply only have empathy for them and have to trust in the grace of God to reach their heart because I certainly never would know what that kind of life is like. It is also why we need to move towards those folks and try to bring light to them and strengthen them. And then there are those that are able to grab hold of God's hand in the midst of the fog and step into this new way of being human. Some of you have had pretty horrible fathers. 
Some of you are a father that has messed up royally. Some of us, we've tried really, really hard and just hope that we don't mess things up too much and that we didn't. Whichever you are, God hears your voice today. In closing, remember, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul might separate you from some in your world, but let God handle them. Secondly, don't take the grace of God for granted or take advantage of it. Let His love bring you through to a new way of being human. And finally, regardless of how difficult you find your circumstances today, know that He is with you. He hears your voice and has not forgotten you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning trusting Lord, we can't control our circumstances, but thank you that you are always present in whatever it is that we face. Thank you that you have created a new way of being human. We trust that you will lead us and guide our steps in that way. And regardless of what we face, that we can find a place of peace and not fear. Thank you that you hear our voice. Uh, whatever, uh, in whatever way that we're calling out to you. And thank you that nothing can separate us from your love today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.